0: The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, good evening and welcome to Buddha Loka, Buddha Centre, the Buddhist Society of Victoria for the Monday night meditation evening so this is very nice to see quite a few people here for the uh, meditation because it's a uh, Christmas time is supposed to be a time of uh, peace and goodwill to, to everyone so this is cultivating the peace <laughs> and the goodwill this is in, in Buddhism we say metta or loving kindness is the goodwill but uh, and my name is uh, Ajahn Sarano. And uh, I just introduced myself because I think this goes on to the internet too. And I am an Australian monk um, who was born in Perth actually. And ordained in Perth with Ajahn Brahmavangsa, Ajahn Brahm. In uh, 1997 as a novice monk and 1998 as a bhikkhu, as a fully ordained monk. So now 22 years as a fully ordained monk. And most of the time, I live in Sri Lanka. <laughs> For 13 and a half years, I've been living there. But I visit Melbourne uh, annually now, just annually, and uh, stay at the BSV and visit New- Newbury Monastery, a monastery um, out at Newbury in the country. So I'd like to start this evening just to ask if there are any questions. 'Cause usually after ah that's good. After the after the meditation there's never questions. It should be Yes. What is it? What's your question? Uh a paraphrase mm. you said didn't matter if you use a mantra or focus on your breath and listen to your words, that's all a vehicle. Yes, yes, correct. And I've understood that to be a vehicle to uh what I would describe call a transcendent state. Hm, good. and oh that's it all oh, right that's a good question you know when we you just for uh people on the internet i think they probably didn't hear that but basically you know when one uses a mantra or visualization uh to develop the meditation and it's aimed at uh transcend like a transcendental state a state beyond the normal and uh but sometimes and this is your, your question not sure whether it's a transcendental state we talk about transcendental meditation don't we tm or is it sleep <laughs> and certainly you know that's a that's a good question you know because you know when we meditate one of the uh, qualities that comes that we develop is relaxation and relaxation can go towards you know uh, being very sleepy being uh, and nodding off this sort of thing and that's quite common and especially because people live quite busy lives and so when the body gets a chance to be still it takes the opportunity it has to sometimes nod off but this is what the body needs at that time probably and you'll notice that even if one nods off during meditation even if one snores during, <laughs> during meditation usually after a few minutes One comes out of that. You don't quite know how long it is, but it's usually not long. We call it a bit like a cat nap. And then the mind is clear and there's a bit more energy in the body. So this is not an uncommon experience. But at the same time, you know, it could be, you know, like we've talked about a transcendental state in the sense that it can be very peaceful, very still and uh, timeless. Can be feel very timeless, whether it's only a short time, we don't know. In a long time, we don't know. And so that is a state that's very relaxed and very peaceful, and something we're not so used to. But the two (laughs) can merge, can merge. So um, the way we can uh, determine or know whether it was really a transcendental state, you know, a state of uh, um, inner focus in a peace um, uh, like when we say tri- transcendental it always sounds very grand doesn't it <laughs> transcendental meditation but whether it's a, a heightened or um, experience of the present moment a very good test is to see whether we were alert or not whether the um, the attention was clear or not if it was very muddled or or not clear then we can suspect this wasn't transcendental (laughs) we were actually nodding off so that's the way we can really tell you know if there is energy alertness in it because these states these transcendental states you know these states of uh, stillness and peace that go towards the deep meditations of jhana towards um, the deep insights they always have this quality of alertness and actually clarity, a lot of clarity of experience. So this is a good way to test, you know, whether uh, a meditation has actually been, you know, um, a very, um, let's see, very focused meditation, a very a meditation that's working, or whether it's, we call it tinamida, sloth and torpa, they often <laughs> translate it the hindrance of sloth and torpor, that we've actually been sleeping or resting. So that is a good way to tell, you know, Ayakima said her, her, her test case, her test for whether it was an alert meditation or not is when you come out of it. And if you're yawning <laughs> and, and uh, stretching and all this sort of thing, it probably wasn't. <laughs> so if this is a good way to tell. You know if we have been alert during the meditation but not to be too bothered by it because you know when I see when I usually hear people are resting you know nodding off often snoring I think at least they are relaxed you know they're not tense they're getting some relief with the uh, the meditation they're getting some rest for the for the mind for the particularly for the body actually usually and it's very interesting when Ajahn Brahm he does his retreats and he says to people, you know, the first few days, he says, you know, sleep as much as you need to. And because generally when people come to these nine day retreats, they're actually very tired um from work and maybe also from prepare preparing to go to the retreat because Whenever you do something like that, there's quite a bit of preparation, many things to tie up and and finish off. So he always says, you know, just take as much sleep as you need, as much rest as you need uh, at the beginning of the retreat. And then when your energy starts to build up, um, then you naturally, naturally take less and less sleep, need less and less rest. Um, during the meditation and at night so you find that people whose meditation is really going strong may sleep very little that's not uncommon and sometimes that bothers them <laughs> i think i should be sleeping longer you know i'm only sleeping a few hours but i feel okay but uh, that's more from habit the fear that you know uh, they're not getting enough sleep so we we, we tend to worry about that and uh, i know When I was in Sri Lanka, I had um, a bad reaction to some antibiotics. And for 10 days, I didn't really sleep. And I thought, you know, because I had this idea, as many people do, that if you don't sleep enough, you'll go mad after two or three days. After two or three days, I thought, well, I'm not mad yet. (laughs) And it was okay. you know, could manage. So often it's more our fears around sleep and rest that we need so much. So my answer to your question is really the quality of alertness that you feel, you know, was the mind present or not. And uh, also, of course, the feeling state is, is important too because when we are present, there tends to be a lot more uh, happiness in the mind, more peaceful, more happiness, a sort of a joy just to be here now, you know, and not in the past or the future. So I hope... Does that answer your question somewhat, I think? Yeah. It's always a test, you know. We're working with our minds and, uh, and uh, always we have to keep in mind the... Oh, you've got the sun in your eyes there. <laughs> I can see you highlighted, actually. If you need to move, please, please do, because it doesn't look the best, you know. I know what it's like. You're in the spotlight. So we always have to you know the most important thing with meditation is uh, to bring this kindness to our meditation to ourselves, to our minds, to our bodies, when we are meditating. And this is uh, you know what the um, the Buddha recommended in sama Sankapa. he calls it right intention or right motivation. and the right motivation is, This um, idea of giving up, letting go, especially, you know, in meditation of thoughts about the five senses or thinking about, yes, thinking about the five senses. But also letting go of any unwholesome states of mind, negative states of mind. These are often the five hindrances that we can experience in meditation. And that's sensual desire, that's desire connected with any of the five senses. Thinking about cricket, thinking about football, thinking about whatever, you know, anything connected with the five senses to the world, basically. And then, of course, the very common one, this uh, ill will, via pada is like aversion, a negative state of mind, and that, you know... Uh, we in meditation it will sabotage the meditation any of these five hindrances will fi- sabotage the meditation and then i mentioned tin sloth and torpor or i think drowsiness and sleepiness they're using <laughs> these days and this is that tiredness of body and mind and when the mind is uh, very low energy this is a low energy state it tends to feel very stiff and uh it, it just can't manage anything much at that time. So the antidote, of course, is to bring up energy, if we can bring up energy in the body is quite good, you know, straighten up a bit and feel the energy in the body. And then the other hindrances are restlessness, and this is, you know, not being able to, the mind not being able to settle. And then remorse, or, um, yes, remorse, what's the other? Worry, that's the other translation of it. And this is remorse or worry about what we've done or what we've said you know I shouldn't have said that I shouldn't have done that and it's interesting sometimes our minds can just go over and over that stuff (laughs) again and again and it gives us no freedom and it's like being The Buddha likened it to being a slave because you can't get away from it you're enslaved by this energy of restlessness the energy of worry that just goes in a loop and the last one of uh, the five hindrances is uh, the doubt. Doubt about the meditation, doubt about whether we're doing it right. <laughs> this is a very common one, especially in the early days. You know. This really sabotages the meditation. Am I doing this right? Did it, now, what did they say? You know, am I doing this the first thing? You know, am I doing the right thing now? You know, what did they say you do first? That sort of thing. But also doubt in our own ability to meditate. And of course, you know, that um, is not the case for anybody, really. We have a mind, and so this we can meditate. We can develop the mind in meditation. For some people it's more difficult than others, depending, you know, on the lifestyle they live. And also you could say, we say in Buddhism, a past karma too. You know, some people come from a past life, we'd say, and they've done quite a bit of meditation. So, I remember Ayakima, and I've heard other people, other teachers say this that uh, people come to their retreats, first retreat, go into a very deep meditation, perhaps jhana. And how did that happen? You know? And other people think, well, I've been going to retreats for years, and I haven't got, you know, these experiences. But the reason the person has these experiences is because of past work and, and that interest in the past. So that's always very important thing when we compare ourselves to others to realize the the things that are influencing us from this life and past lives very different. So it's like trying to compare things that are just not in the same the same at all. There's no comparison. Different experiences, different conditioning. So uh, this is um, you know part of uh, part of it. So so uh, when we overcome these uh, negative states in the meditation will happen by itself and it's very natural as I say that we we need to develop that kindness when we are meditating not that hardness of mind sometimes meditators can be very pushy (laughs) and very demanding of the meditation of their minds of their bodies you know it's very very interesting to see when you're young particularly you know so people think if I can sit in full lotus I'll be enlightened in no time (laughs) and what they do is they often wreck their knees in the process actually don't become enlightened but they learn quite a bit about pain so this this is important to have that kindness and that humility too when we meditate and also not that sense of demanding not that sense of willpower I'm going to make this happen this is a very common idea and that brings a lot of force to the meditation it brings a lot of hardness to the meditation which makes the meditation that much more difficult it won't work actually as ajahn brahm often says i think now it's not so shocking actually because people heard it quite a few times he says ajahn brahm can't meditate and people, oh, really <laughs> and he said it's only when ajahn brahm gets out of the way that he can meditate, that meditation happens actually. And that's very true, you know, when we, when we are driving from will, from a sense of self, what we want, what we like, and all this sort of thing, then the meditation, these are blocks actually for the meditation. So it's very important we have that sort of kindness towards the meditation. And of course the last one of these uh, intentions, so we have that, uh, letting go or they call it renunciation of thinking about the sensual uh the sense pleasures also letting go of negative mind states and the second one having this loving kindness uh, towards ourselves towards the meditation object and then the last one not harming ourselves or others and this is a very important approach to the meditation too as I say if we're very hard with the meditation and you know and very and you can see people who, who do this, you know, they really give themselves a hard time. And I think, my goodness, are you going to enjoy meditating? <laughs> it look, sounds like, a, you know, a real, uh, we call boot camp. This is the sort of thing, you know, where everything's really strict and all this sort of thing. And uh, it doesn't sound very enjoyable to me, you know. And I think people can do that for a short time, but um, they won't keep it up, I don't think. Because in the end... We usually have a lot of time for our hobbies. But for work, well, not so much. We finish work, that's good. <laughs> so it's th- this interest that's very important of, and that we enjoy what we're doing. And that's what uh, somebody asked me a question today. And she was saying, you know, I find it very difficult to find time to meditate. You know, after I do a retreat, yeah, I can do a day or two and then I don't. And um so I haven't replied to her but I was going to say, you know, first thing is we have to enjoy it. If you enjoy something, actually you find the time. <laughs> it's not not a problem actually to find time. But if you don't enjoy it, then you, you put it off. And I see that in myself. I'm supposed to do these physiotherapy exercises every day, but I often and they're only really twenty minutes to half an hour. But I find many reasons why I I haven't got time for it. You know, oh, I'm a bit tired, or you know, not now, or and it's the same for anything we don't enjoy. You know, we will postpone. We will even if we think it's good for us. There are a lot of things people think are good for them. You know, exercise being one of the biggies, and uh, they just don't do it. But if we actually enjoy it, see benefit from it, see results from it, then we will continue it. But also I was going to say to her, you know, that when I email, when I reply, the the, the light's getting you again. I can see you in the spotlight. (laughs) Need sunglasses here. (laughs) But uh, it's, um, oh, yeah, there is. We can put down that blind, actually. That's right. Can put down the blind. There's two layers, isn't there? That's right, Paul. That's, yeah. Just that I think that one's the main one, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? It's very sunny these days. Tomorrow, very hot. Oh, it's starting to get hotter, I think. Yeah. And the other thing that's very supportive for our meditation practice at home is to have a a time that's very good for us, you know. And usually, it's um, a time when there's not so much happening at home. If you're meditating at home, you know. When I was uh, a layperson, I used to meditate. You know. Five, five thirty, something like that, you know, because quiet, nobody up, and you know, you just have that time to yourself. And the number one thing, don't check the smartphone <laughs> to see, see if there's any emails or messages, because there may be actually, and that will really derail the time that one meditates. So having a um, you know a particular time one meditates that is very it's also very useful for you. And uh, in relation to your question about you know, the transcendental state or sleep, you know, you find a time when it's good for your your mind to you know you're alert. Some people are very. Najan Brahm's very flexible like this at the monastery. He says, you know, if you if your good time for meditating is in the morning, fine, you know, then go to bed earlier. But if you you know you are a late night person, you're a night owl. That's what they say, night owl then meditate late at night, and then get up later. So we have to see what works for us. And this was uh, one of the advice that Ayakima had for meditation. She said, whatever works, you know, to bring more peace, more stillness, more wisdom, these things, more energy to the mind, this is the right direction, this is useful for us. So we have to, it's something we have to find for ourselves, that time that's good for us. And also that um, enjoyment of what we're doing. To make meditation a hobby, not a chore. (laughs) Because if we make it a chore, we're sure as eggs we won't do it that much. So uh, now we can um, start the meditation this evening, I think. Are there any other questions before we start? Because it's very rare to have a question, actually. Wow, already? Yes, maybe that's better. Yes, that's good. So I'll just briefly introduce the uh, meditation I was planning to do this evening, one I haven't done for a while here, and I like doing it myself, and I th- I'm sure you all know it. It's uh, I call it scanning meditation, often known as sweeping meditation, and uh, it's been made famous, of course. Do you know who made it famous, probably? Most famous teacher? Goenka, for sure, yeah. Goenka has made it very famous. And it's um, it's a very useful um, form of meditation. There are many different versions of it. Ayakima used to teach her own version of it. And uh, so it's it's not so important, the, the, the differences that uh, between the, the meditations. And uh, it's it's very useful because it's very good for, they often say, for health. And I had a friend who had very bad knees, and he went, he went to a Goenka retreat, and they said, "We'd like you to sit on the floor." And he was sitting on chairs because these were really bad, and he thought, he thought, "Wow, can I manage this?" And so he he did some of the sits on the floor and he found, "Oh, it wasn't too bad actually." and uh, then uh, he did a second ten uh, day retreat, they do ten day retreats. And he was amazed because at the end of that the pain in his knees had gone had gone incredible and it was just using this sweeping you know they use breath meditation sweeping and loving kindness and it's important when we are doing these sorts of meditations if there if there is um pain in the body not to to bring negativity to it not to get A negative to it, not to get a hard, resistant mind to it. That's quite an important thing because we can't really investigate anything if we have a resistance to it. And uh, this meditation is often thought of as, um, and Goenka teaches it as Vedana Upasana, but I think of it, and other teachers, some other teachers may think of it more as Kaya Upasana because kaya is this is mindfulness of the body and it's these sensations their focus is usually sensations in the body there are two ways of actually doing this and one of them is to focus on the sensations and this is definitely what goenka is teaching so the sensations we're looking at can be anything you know it's what we experience <laughs> so whatever we experience is 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 part of the meditation, you know. That's our experience, and whether we can name it or not is not important. And so you can get warmth and coolness in the body for sure, itching, pressure, sharp pain, dull pain, coming and going pain, heaviness, lightness, hardness and softness, tingling, and uh, and very important if you find particularly when you do some areas, there's nothing. You don't feel much at all. That's okay because we're not here to, to manufacture an experience. We're here to be present with whatever we're experiencing in the body. And it's extraordinary when you pay attention like this to the body. You will experience, as I did, I'm sh- sensations I'd never, never been aware of before. So this is quite interesting. And the other way we can practice this is more from the Veda Nupassana side. So I said that was more like mindfulness of the body. And the Veda Nupassana side is to pay attention to the quality of the experience. Whether uh, what you're experiencing in a particular area is pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. Pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And this is... Vedana Pasana. And often the Buddha would talk about, because this extends the meditation quite a bit, as to whether it's coming from a worldly source, whether it's worldly uh, Vedana Pasana, worldly feeling, worldly pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling or neutral feeling. This would be more connected to the body. This is more connected to the body or whether it's spiritual. call or they sometimes translate as unworldly feeling, which is coming from the mind. So this is uh, two types of feelings, two types of um, experience. But they both look at pleasant, unpleasant and neutral. So for instance, when we are meditating, if we're going through the body and one area we can feel, you know, it feels painful. This is unpleasant feeling. This is unpleasant feeling. Then we move our attention. Another area, um, maybe it feels quite comfortable, actually. And this is pleasant feeling. Other, f- other areas, well, nothing much, really. <laughs> nothing to, to write home about. <laughs> so that's a neutral feeling and so forth. But at the same time, when we are meditating, of course, meditation is a body-mind experience, isn't it? So we'll find that their mental states will come up and they can be pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And uh, we can pay attention to those as well as part of Vedana Pasana because we're seeing the quality of uh, feeling that we're experiencing. And this is a very, very important part of the Buddha's teaching because we, all human beings, all beings are driven by wanting pleasant feeling and at all costs getting away from unpleasant feeling and usually with neutral feeling, ignoring it. <laughs> so this is, a, it's a very important area to focus on. And um, I often mention this is the subject area, looking at the quality of feeling, uh, quality of experience. Ajahn Brahm calls Vedana experience. It is the area that uh, Venerable Sariputta, the, uh, the foremost in wisdom after the Buddha at the time of the Buddha this is the subject area he was he made his breakthrough to enlightenment looking at Vedana because we're imprisoned by chasing after pleasant running away from unpleasant and this is a real breakthrough when we can see through that that it's just Vedana it's just feeling it's unpleasant yes it's not my unpleasant it's pleasant but it's not my pleasant. It's just happening, you know. So uh, this is a very important contemplation. It's not a not a small thing. And uh, just to it's almost time actually to be aware too that part of the reason this uh, meditation is so so good is because the mind affects the body and vice versa. So often mind states that we have end up. Um, giving rise to emotions which we feel in the body and I'm sure everybody here can relate to that so we can often feel tension, anger in the tummy these sorts of things fear is usually there, anxiety and uh, depression will have a feeling in the body as well and it's interesting because it really points to the fact that yes, it is a mind-body interrelationship but the mind can be having a big effect on the body and can be actually what i call sculpting the body shaping the body by our mind states so and uh, part of the reason this is such a um a good meditation for healing is that we're actually giving attention to the body something that we don't really do very much use the body but we don't really pay attention to the body how it's feeling we tend to be uh, drive the poor old body all the time (laughs) like a vehicle that we're pushing around but we don't we're not necessarily looking after the vehicle by giving it attention giving it this kindness uh, appreciation for what it allows us to do usually the only time that people really appreciate the body is when they lose the ability to use different aspects of the body. So someone who has a stroke, for instance, wow, that's big time (laughs) when they can't, you know, say, move. And I hear of people who have strokes and all they can move is their eyelids. That's amazing, isn't it? So then, you know, one would really appreciate what the body could do for them before that. After that, they become prisoners of the body. So the body likes it when we pay attention to it in much the same way as when we are with people. And if we pay attention to the person we're with, Ajahn Brown's very good at this, it's <laughs> great. The other person feels, uh, likes this and, it, and it, it brings up a positive state of mind for them generally. Depends on how you look at them of course. <laughs> Sometimes people can give this very piercing attention but usually... You know, if it's a kind attention, then people really like that. It's the same with our bodies. You know, they will respond when we give this positive, kind, warm attention to it. And Ayakima said this meditation is a bit like clearing out the rubbish in the mind, you know, that's accumulated over the years, all the mental garbage that's there, and to make space, bring light to the body. And one of the important things with the scanning is not to get too hung up about the technique and the order it's done in. I remember when I first learned it, I thought, oh, should I be doing the left arm now or the right arm? <laughs> and whatever. You know, the order is not so important. And if we get lost during this meditation, if we lose focus, we can't remember whether we're on the arm or the foot or wherever at the head then we can just go back to starting either at the feet or the head usually i start at the head so that's the um scanning meditation which we can try now many people have done the scanning meditation or sweeping meditation yes yeah i see a few nods that's good so it's a it is very useful one actually and one that i like uh, often you know i like it goes through periods where i enjoy doing it actually so now we can just find a comfy position for the body and move uh, the body just to make it uh, comfortable and balanced whatever is good for you know for the meditation and now we'll meditate for about 45 minutes so it's good you know if we get quite comfortable and get settled this way the body is less of an obstacle for us and um, and we can really Know, just be with the mind and not so much concerned with the body. So we can close our eyes, and that can help us get in contact with the body. And we can notice how the back is if it's uh, reasonably straight but um, not tense, comfortable. Because our posture does give energy to the meditation to the mind, and the hands we can either have on the laps, lap or, or on the knees, whichever you like, however you find comfortable, and to sense that the posture is balanced, and to make any adjustments that we need to, to improve that balance. And we can have the intention to just be here for the meditation, to be at home, I like to call it, for the meditation, to be inside, to have the sense of being quite cozy and comfortable like we can feel at home. This really works when it's rainy outside and cold just to be comfortable to be inside at home and for this meditation to be aware of whatever we experience whether it's pleasant or unpleasant to be at home and to be aware to observe these experiences sensations or We can use these feelings in the body and the mind. So we are settled, we're at home. And we can relax the body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes, just going through the body. And soothing it, giving it this mental massage with kindness, well-wishing, through the, the head, the face, down the neck, the shoulders, and down the arms, down the back. And then the front, soothing and relaxing the body. And the right leg and the left leg. Just soothing and relaxing the body. Becoming aware of the body just sitting here in the present moment, the whole body. And whatever we're experiencing in the present moment, letting go of what's happened, letting go of what will happen later, either during the meditation or after the meditation. Just being here now, at home, inside, with the body, and experiencing perhaps the pressure of the sitting on the cushion or a chair, temperature of the air, sounds. whatever we are aware of here in the present moment. Nothing we have to do, nowhere we have to go for the moment. And now we can begin the scan, or the sweeping, starting at the head, top of the head. Being aware of the areas of the top of the head, what sensations we're aware of. Whether it's warm, cold, tingling, painful. Soft, or feels a bit heavy, whatever we experience in the different areas around the top of the head. Or just the feeling, is it pleasant, unpleasant, or is it neutral? And we can extend the area to the back of the head and the sides of the head. Noticing what we're experiencing there. Is there any throbbing or softness, warmth? Whatever we are aware of. And now we move the attention to the forehead and experience the areas that make up the forehead. Experience if there's any sensations or we can look at the feelings that are there. Whether it's pleasant, unpleasant or just neutral. And we can move our attention to around the eyes and feel what sensations or what feelings there might be there. Could be tiredness, strain. Or maybe relax. We move the attention to the cheeks, of the face, and experience what, notice what we're experiencing there. Whether it be sensations, or this feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Maybe itchiness in the sensations, whatever. moving the attention to the mouth, all around the mouth and the chin, paying attention to what we're experiencing there. Or if there's no feeling, if there are no sensations, noticing that. And we move down to the neck, all around the neck, experiencing either sensations or feelings in the neck, whether it be tightness, tension, relaxed, balanced, pleasant feeling or unpleasant feeling. We bring to mind the neck, the face, and the top of the head. We put it all together, experiencing them all. And now we Bring to mind the right shoulder starting at the neck and moving our attention along the right shoulder. Noticing whatever there is that we're experiencing at the moment. Be it's the attentions or balance, whatever sensations or just a general feeling of pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. Now we bring to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm, and move our attention down the right arm, experiencing whatever there is to be noticed in the right arm, starting at the top of the arm, moving down to the elbow, all around the elbow, the lower right arm. to the wrist and to the hand, right to the tips of the fingers, bringing awareness to what we're experiencing, warmth, coolness. Pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Now we bring to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and move along the left shoulder, experiencing whatever is happening in the left shoulder. Tightness, tension or unpleasant feeling, pleasant feeling. Sense of heaviness or lightness. And now we move the attention to the left arm and move down the left arm slowly all around, becoming aware of what is happening in each area. The left arm down to the elbow, down the lower left arm to the wrist. Maybe you're aware of throbbing. Pulsing, pleasant, unpleasant, warm. And now we are aware of the left hand and the fingers, how they feel. aware of the whole left arm. And now we can bring our attention to the back, just below the shoulders, and move our attention down the back slowly, area after area. Noticing what we're experiencing in terms of sensations or feeling. Down towards the waist and then down towards the bottom. Sitting on the cushion or chair, and now bringing to mind the front of the body just below the shoulders. And moving the attention down the front of the body, observing, noticing, whatever sensations or feelings we are aware of. Or that there are no sensations, or that there is neutral feeling, it's neither pleasant or unpleasant. moving down to the diaphragm below the chest and to the stomach area below that. Noticing whatever is happening area after area. And down to the abdomen. experiencing the whole of the front of the body. Bringing to mind the right leg and moving our attention down the right leg from the top of the right leg, the thigh, all around, observing, noticing what we're experiencing, be it sensations or feelings, a feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Coming aware of the knee, all around the right knee and down the right lower leg to the ankle. And becoming aware of the right foot and the toes on the right foot, right to the tips of the toes. What what am I experiencing? How does this feel at this moment? Experiencing the whole right leg how it how it feels the whole of the right leg and foot and toes. And we bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg, and moving our attention down, exploring, noticing either sensations or feelings. In the left thigh, down to the knee, all around the knee. How is it feeling? Are there sensations? Or not? Are there feelings? Pleasant, unpleasant or not. And then moving the attention down the left lower leg. Down towards the ankle. All around the lower left leg. Coming aware of whatever we're experiencing in the lower left leg. Now bringing to mind the left foot and the toes. Aware of the left foot, maybe the heel and the toes, or what what is happening in the left foot. Heat, cool, pressure, itching, or pleasant, unpleasant, or just neutral. Aware of the whole left leg. And now we can reverse the scan, starting with the left leg, and to move up the body, then the right leg. You can do the front of the body, the back of the body, the left arm, then the right arm, the left shoulder, sorry, then the right hand, right up the right arm, the right shoulder, the neck, the face and the head. And as we reverse the scan, going up, noticing whatever sensations we're aware of, all feelings, whether it be coolness, warmness, itching, pressure, sharp pain, dull pain, coming and going, this pain, heaviness, lightness, whatever we're experiencing, or no feelings, no sensations, Or being just aware of whether it's a pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, or neutral. And when we reverse this scan, we can move at whatever pace we like. We can move a bit faster, moving up the left leg. And then... Starting with the right foot, the right toes, moving up the right leg. Noticing what we're experiencing as we go. And up the, the front of the body. to the shoulders. And then the back starting at the bottom and moving up to the shoulders. Noticing sensations or noticing the feeling quality in the body. Or, noticing the feeling quality that's happening in the mind, if it's prominent. And becoming aware of the left arm, starting at the fingertips of the left arm and moving up the left arm. Noticing whatever there is that's happening, like we're an observer, watching, learning, and moving the attention to the left shoulder, along the left shoulder to the neck. Noticing whatever we're experiencing. And then bringing the attention to the right hand, to the fingertips, and moving up the right arm. Noticing, observing, what's happening in the right arm? What what am I experiencing in terms of sensations? Or and then moving to the right shoulder, along the right shoulder, to towards the neck, noticing taking notice of whatever we're experiencing in the right shoulder. And we can move the attention to the neck, all around the neck, noticing how the neck is. Pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. Or sensations like hardness. Relaxed or balanced. Moving the attention up to, around the chin and the mouth. And then moving up Through the cheeks of the face and around the eyes, paying attention to whatever we're experiencing, knowing it clearly, observing it. Then moving the attention to the forehead. Noticing any sensations, any tightness, any frowning or whether it's just pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. and then becoming aware of the sides of the head the back of the head and the top of the head how do they how do they feel what experience or what sensations do i notice we can reverse the scan and start moving down the body. And so we can just continue at whatever pace we find um, suitable for us, comfortable for us, whether it be a bit faster or a bit slower, moving through the body from the top of the head to the tips of the toes and knowing what we're experiencing here in the present moment, either in terms of these sensations or the general feeling of the various areas, whether they be pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And aware of any reactions in the mind noticing if they're pleasant unpleasant or neutral if they come if that comes to our attention so moving from the top of the head down to the tips of the toes and then once we reach the tips of the toes coming back up again going at our own speed either faster than i've done or slower, whatever is comfortable for each of us. And if the mind wanders off, we just bring it back to the part where it wandered off. And if we're not sure where that was, we can either start at the feet or the head. Start scanning again, bringing a sense of interest in what we're experiencing, openness, kindness. coming close to the end of the meditation, so we can just review, how do I feel now? Was I aware of different sensations or feelings? in the body? Did I notice reactions to those sensations or feelings? And what did I learn from this scanning meditation, from this experience? Of being here with my body. Going through all the various areas. What did I learn? can dedicate this merit to all those who are here and to all beings everywhere that they may develop their awareness they develop may develop these positive states of mind that understand what they what we are experiencing they may find the peace and wisdom of the present moment and we can make an aspiration to develop this scanning meditation more not only in our formal meditation but at times during the day just to lightly scan the body become into the present moment with whatever we're experiencing the body, when there are opportunities just to ground ourselves in the here and now. And now we can slowly open the eyes and move the body to make ourselves more comfortable. Um, are there any questions uh, any comments questions complaints <laughs> that's it good and so now we can have those three uh, three questions from the internet All right then.
1: thank you Adan <coughs> the first question is from anyway uh I'm a beginner. Mm-hmm. What should I do if I see nature or other things? Do I shift my focus on it or just ignore it? Because normally when I get relaxed, I see views of nature.
0: Mm. Ah, right. That's interesting. So this is in the mind. These, these views, uh, these images come up. And that can be a sign that the mind is relaxing, coming together. Um, and whether one, it depends on what one's object of the meditation is. But, you know, certainly to be aware of those views can be good. Maybe not to be too caught up in them, just become an observer of them. Um, and if they bring more peace to the mind, that's quite a good thing. Um, but they may become just a, a changing phenomena, <laughs> you know, turn into a movie. So it can, can show that the mind is settling down, becoming more peaceful, uh, coming together, because this is often where images arise. And uh, usually, most um, meditation teachers will say not to pay too much attention to them, not to get too consumed by them, interested in them, um, because they uh, can take us away from just the present moment just being the present moment being aware having that quality so i think work with it and just see it's always an experiment you know you can see whether you know it's leading to um, more peaceful states more aware states or not you know or is it just going to lead to more restlessness you know wanting to see more of the movie <laughs> or not so this is very much uh, we have to experiment with it. Be creative. So try it and see whether you find that it uh, leads to good, a good result, more clarity, more alertness, more peace um, or not. Yes, yeah, so that's good. Thank you, Ajahn. Okay, thank you for that question.
1: The next question is Gita from New Zealand. Oh, right. I am prone to be easily distracted mm-hmm. by random thoughts. Is there a technique to maintain focus
0: yes uh, certainly you know if you if you say get out of here random thoughts you'll probably pay a lot more attention to it so the uh, one of the ways that we can uh, reduce random thoughts is first of all to make the meditation experience much more interesting than the thoughts so as i often um uh Teach and practice myself is to bring up a very positive feeling, with a positive, wholesome feeling. Maybe it's contentment, maybe it's loving kindness, metta, maybe it's um, uh, gratitude. Any of these very positive emotions, and use them with the meditation object. Then the thinking doesn't have so much attract; it's not so attractive, even though it's random thinking. Because oftentimes the reason we pay attention to these things, you know, random thoughts, is because we're interested in them and maybe we're bored with the meditation. (laughs) So we're giving attention to something we think is more interesting. Often it is, and this is where we've got to be kind with ourselves, that we're so conditioned to paying attention to our thinking day in, day out, and all day, all night, that this is a natural tendency. It's like when we have a smartphone, if we pay attention to the smartphone a lot, you find we're getting it out, looking at it again and again. And this is quite a develops a habit in the mind. We have a habit to pay attention to the thinking, usually because we think it's our thinking. We think it might be important. <laughs> and it's sort of like an entertainment too. Especially these random thoughts. A bit like you go to the doctors and you're flipping through the magazines. You're not really interested, but you're just looking through. And it's a bit like that. So if the meditation is more interesting, more pleasant, then one's attention will tend to go to that. And certainly one shouldn't get into a battle with the thoughts. That is a very good way to ensure that they continue and give them energy. Um, so uh, that's what I would suggest, just to make the meditation more interesting, more pleasant. Uh, that So the mind will stay with that and not... Nice, you'd be so interested in the thinking. Thank you.
1: Uh, Just by the by, there's a greeting from San Diego in California. Oh,
0: hello, San Diego. I
1: haven't been there yet. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) not. The final online question uh, is, please could you ask Ajahn what kundalinis
0: are thank you all oh, right kundalini kundalini is is not a not a buddhist uh, not a buddhist term of course it's a, it comes from yoga um yogic traditions you know and it is is it is um the idea of this energy source which is at the base of the spine and which moves up through these various areas they're called chakras uh, i think they have about seven chakras you know right from the anus the sexual area um the heart area the throat area and uh, the third eye area and then the top of the head that's the idea and um you know to purify these various areas is is the idea with this chakra meditation but the the buddha never really taught like that talking about chakras chakras but uh, some people do find it it is comes up in their experience i know meditators who have this and I suspect when they tell me that you know that they find this useful working in terms of chakras, you know, the, and purifying the different levels of chakras, that they were practicing this in a past life. <laughs> this must be where it's coming from. But the Buddha never really talked about these energy centers and how we have to clear them. And the idea being, this kundalini is this energy that goes up the spine through these various chakras are wheels aren't they wheels and right to the top of the head and uh, this is the when it's sort of unified and if it's blocked then there are problems there's disturbances in the body and the mind so i have i have come across meditators who find um, that their experience fits in with this kundalini idea and with the chakra idea and they uh, tend to um you know to try and work on these areas, and then the advice that they need, of course, is coming from yoga, more from yoga, not so much from Buddhism. So, but it can be, it, it may be very relevant to people's experience. It's not, it's not necessary just to discount it because it's not a Buddhist thing. If it comes into somebody's experience, it must be coming from somewhere. <laughs> Probably the past, I think. Yes, yes. Was yeah. that a question, Robert, or you? Ah, you're just stretching. <laughs> so desperate for questions. <laughs> and that's the end, is it? Is that the last question? That's good. Yeah. So this Kundalini idea is something uh, you know, as I say, uh, some people find interesting, and uh, um, you know, this power source, it's a big, big, big power. And they often think of it like a snake that comes from the spine, bottom base of the spine, right up to the head this this head when it reaches the top of the head it's like a unity experience you know um so uh, but one would have to consult yogic teachers for that one i think just if they're very interested in that or they find it's relevant to the experience so now we can just those who would like to we can bow to the uh, buddha dhamma and sangha and finish the evening here so thank you very much for coming and joining in and making the energy of this evening. And I hope this uh, scanning meditation has had some interest for you and that you can continue it in some form or shape. And just experiment with it.